When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. I'm trying something new, Katie. I thought I'd record the show on Zoom this week for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> People love Zoom audio. It's great. It's a great <laughs> idea. It's the greatest. We won't <laughs> we won't bore you to tears about why we're recording it on Zoom, but just just know that there's a reason why. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, hi Katie. Uh, hi, hi. Um, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition. You can always count on a a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today, we've got chart news on how Drake makes a splashy debut atop both the Billboard 200 Albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, notching his lucky 13th number one on both rankings. Also on the show, Keith got to go to the opening night of Madonna's The Celebration Tour, and I haven't asked him a thing about it, so you're going to hear our entire conversation breaking down opening night in London. I have lots of questions. Um, Also, I went to the Eras Tour film premiere last week in Los Angeles, so Keith can ask me questions as well. Uh, We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Uh, Plus... We have an interview with Troy Savon, friend of the podcast, Troy Savon. We chat with the singer and songwriter and actor about his brand new album, Something to Give Each Other, how his love of Janet Jackson helped inspire the project, uh, which he terms joyous, uh, how he assembled a dream team of friends to make the album from songwriters and music video directors and beyond. Uh, and we talk with him about more stuff, too. So stick around for our chat in just a bit. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Hey, Katie, what was the name of Buddy Holly's backing band? Oh, it was called the Crickets, Keith. Okay. Yeah, I might be recording. Yeah, Keith's on Zoom audio and I've got Crickets uh, where I'm (laughs) recording. So just all around a great listening experience. But you know, we don't have crickets in our audience because we we have a faithful, devoted following that <laughs> listens to us every week. Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, first up, let's do the chart chat. Uh, Drake earns his 13th number one album on the Billboard 200 chart as his new studio effort for all the dogs debuts atop the list. 
The set earned 402,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending October 12th, according to Luminate. That marks the fourth largest week of the year for an album by units earned. For All the Dogs, opening frame was almost entirely driven by streaming activity of its 23 songs. In total, 97% of the album's debut was owed to song streams, which add up to just 514 million on-demand official streams of those songs <laughs> in its first week. Uh, that actually results in the largest streaming week of 2023 for any album and the fourth largest ever. Strikingly, of the top five biggest streaming weeks for an album, four of them were generated by an album from Drake. Was so, the other one Bad Bunny? Uh, no, one of the other ones was uh, Morgan Wallen's um, oh, recent okay. album. And we're talking U.S. streams also. Yes, just U.S. streams. So I'm sure if we looked at global numbers, it might be a little bit different. Um, though, right. as Katie sort of has already winked at, we, we I fully expect Bad Bunny will have a very sizable debut next week with his brand new album, which I will not even try to say the title of right now until I have more practice. It is really wild, though, the the like heavy hitters coming out of the woodwork right now. Drake followed a week later by Bad Bunny. And then, of course, we have Taylor Swift's 1989 re-record coming at the end of the month. It's like we had some sleepy months there. And now it's just bam, 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 bam. OK, so uh, back to For All the Dogs uh, as we well, actually, also one thing we we talked about, you know, we have this Drake, Bad Bunny, Taylor. Let's not forget this coming Friday, we have a brand new Christmas album from Cher, plus a brand new studio album from the Rolling Stones. So it's chock-a-block full of major superstars all they're dropping just keeping, albums. They're keeping Keith busy over there on the Billboard 200. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like to be gainfully employed. Um, <laughs> so uh, with a 13th number one album on the Billboard 200, Drake breaks out of a tie with Taylor Swift to solely have the third most number ones on the Billboard 200. The Beatles continue to have the record of 19 number ones, followed by Jay-Z with 14, Drake with 13, and of course, Swift with 12. Uh, I pointed out in my online story on Sunday how uh, every album that Taylor has released that has either been a full-length studio project or one of her re-record projects um, from Fearless on through the present, every one of them has debuted at number one. So... <laughs> I'm going to venture to guess that 1989 Taylor's version, which comes out next, not this Friday, but the following Friday, the 27th. I'm just guessing, just guessing it'll probably be number one based upon her track record. I have no knowledge of what am I doing the first week. It's just a feeling I have. So that feels pretty likely. And it'll be her third album in the year 2023 to go to number one because Midnight's went back to number one. And then she also put out her Speak Now re-record. Yeah, well, Midnight's was a holdover, so we can't really. You I know, know uh, but it had a number one week in 2023. Is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, it feels like you're trying <laughs> to kind of write the press release already before it's out. Um, <laughs> you're, in, you're in cahoots with Tree Pain. Um, okay, staying with Drake over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, first person shooter featuring J Cole debuts atop the list. The track, uh, which is from the For All the Dogs album gives Drake his 13th number one on the Hot 100, tying him with Michael Jackson for the most among male artists and the fourth most among all acts. It's the first number one for J. Cole, by the way. Hmm. Among all artists, the Beatles continue to have the most number ones on the Hot 100 with 20. 
followed by Mariah Carey with 19, Rihanna with 14, and then Drake and MJ with 13 each. Uh, in total, Drake has seven songs inside the top 10 on the Hot 100 this week, six of which are debuts. He now has a total of 76 top 10s, uh, extending his record for the most top 10s in the history of the chart. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of Drake happening at the top of the charts this week. And that's that's all she wrote in terms of chart news this week. For for more information <laughs> around the charts, billboard, visit billboard.com slash chart dash beat. I mean, we all want to get to Madonna anyway, don't we? Are we all, isn't that what we're here for? Who doesn't want to get to Madonna? I want to <laughs> I, I thought I'd fly across an ocean to go get to Madonna. Right. Okay. So Keith, I truly am coming in blind here because uh, our colleague, Joe Lynch, he covered the opening night in London for Billboard. He covered it extensively. He did a breakout on what she said about the Israel and Hamas war. He did a full set list. He did 17 best moments recap. He did a gallery of uh, photos from opening night. I have only read the the Israel News article. I did not read the Best Moments recap. I I did notice a couple songs from the set list, but I want to know, like, I think set list is what I'm most excited about. Like, what did this talk to me about the set list? First and foremost, what did she play on this tour? Well, opening night. The show opened uh, this past Saturday night in London at the O2 Arena. Um, I was very fortunate to be there in the house uh, on opening night um, as i talked about last week it was the third time i've been to the opening night of the madonna tour um, i saw the opening nights of the confessions tour and the uh, uh reinvention tour both of which started in los angeles so this is the first time i've been truly international for an opening <laughs> night um i didn't know i had no the only spoiler i had going into it was that I had heard that she was going to the song that she sang that she sings as her opening number. I had heard that she was going to sing it at some point in the show. I did not know that it was going to open the show. Otherwise, all I knew was everything else that we had read, like, oh, she's bringing some out some old iconic outfits out, you know, and, you know, it's going to cover four decades of hits. That's kind of all I knew, except for like I think a day or two, like like maybe last Thursday or Friday, there was an interview in the British press with Stuart Price, who is a singer, like an artist, writer, producer, a former Madonna collaborator on recorded music, as well as her former musical director on previous tours. He came back and is the musical director for this tour. So he did an interview with the British press and he talked about how there wasn't a band on stage with Madonna and how there was like going to be like more than 25 songs in the show and possibly over 40 if you count sort of interludes and bits and bobs that might be heard in snippets. Otherwise, I had nothing. So uh, in terms of the set list, she opens with Nothing Really Matters, which is a single from the Ray of Light album. Um, and, you know, she opens the show by singing When I Was Very Young, Nothing Really Mattered to Me But Making Myself Happy. I Was the Only One. Um, uh, now that I am grown, everything has changed. I'll never be the same because of you. And she gestures to the audience. Those are the lyrics from nothing really matters. And, you know, in context, as she talked about herself later on in the show, that song is totally appropriate to open the show. Um, Madonna has had a challenging year health wise. Mm -hmm. Um, she herself in the show said that 
she doesn't remember. I think she said five days that happened earlier this year of her life. Oh, wow. And when she said, I couldn't remember five days of my life or death, you know, because she she was like, I don't know. And when I woke up, I was surrounded by my children. Um, so, yeah, her health scare was no joke, uh, according to Madonna. Um, and then on top of that, you know, in 2020, and the things I'm about to say are things that she has acknowledged at some point in the past. She had hip replacement surgery in 2020 and knee surgery in 2020. Um, combine that with a couple years being off the road, out of you know album cycle, her health scare earlier this year, and plus, not to put too fine of a point on it, but you know she's 65. All of those things together add up to. Any other normal human being would probably be like, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to mount this huge globe trotting tour right now. But she is the queen of pop. And she has continued to be an exception to all of the rules. So this kind of is, I don't know, like unexpected and expected. So anyways, that's what she opened the show with. And it was uh, sort of the perfect song to start the show off with. And really the show, save for a few stray kind of surprises, was just hit after hit after hit after hit. Like That is so fun. Was it just like a, did it feel like a, a celebration? Did it feel like a party? It felt, it was interesting. Uh, the The audience itself was probably... I'm going to say more than half kind of like older people, meaning like as old as me, if not older, like couples, mm-hmm. like a lot of like sort of a lot of like groups of older women who are probably fans of Madonna, like in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and then there was probably like a good you know chunk of the gays that were there. Um, <laughs> and so certainly the crowd was very excited about everything that she did, said, uttered, spoke, moved, did on stage. Um, but it it did seem like a party it also seemed like you were watching a highly stylized choreographed um kind of like art installation at some point mm-hmm. just, just because it's like if madonna's gonna give you the hits she's not just gonna just give you the hits yeah she's not gonna it's not gonna be like hey i'm gonna do this song exactly how you expect me to no she's going to do a hit song turn it on its side, maybe do a remixed version, give you a different visual. She'll call back to things. She'll mm-hmm. wink at you. She'll bring out a certain outfit that you might remember, but she'll change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like, so it was like, it was like she took 40 years of her career, put them into a very expensive Madonna Cuisinart blender <laughs> and poured it out into this really delightful smoothie. Uh, because really, <laughs> I mean, just really the entire show, like just, I mean, I'm going to spoil it for you, Katie, if you're okay, but like. Spoil away. Here's the first chunk of songs in order. Okay. So Nothing Really Matters, her first single, Everybody, mm. Into the Groove, Burning Up, Open Your Heart, Holiday, Live to Tell, Like a Prayer. Jeez, man. What? That's- that's just the first act of the show. Oh my gosh. It's almost too much. <laughs> I, I, 
<laughs> here, let me just, I'll just rattle off some more. Keep going, keep going. So here's everything, everything, all of the actual songs that were performed, not counting the weird sort of snippets and stuff. So then we have Erotica, Justify My Love, Fever, Hung Up, Bad Girl, which she sang, Bad Girl is a single from her Erotica album. It's a big ballad. People probably remember the music video more than everything, more than anything else. Uh, Christopher Walken was in the video. Mm. Um, David Fincher directed it. It's beautiful. It's sad. Um, it's a great ballad, but she's only performed it, I think, once live mm. on Saturday Night Live. So, so that was a surprise. That was a surprise. And she was accompanied by her daughter, Mercy, who played the piano on the track on stage oh. with her. I love that. In fact, um, five of her children were part of the show on opening night. Four of them will be part of the show every night. Wow. Uh, the fifth that popped up in the show was her firstborn, uh, Lourdes, or Lola, who actually was her birthday uh, on Saturday. And Madonna sang Little Star to her on stage. Oh. Um, Little Star is a song that she wrote about her on the Ray of Light album. And Madonna said on stage, she's like, I'm not, I promised I wasn't going to sing happy birthday to her to embarrass her. She's like, however, and then she sang little star acapella. Um, anyway, uh, so back to the set list here. Uh, so I said, erotica, just for my love fever, hung up, bad girl, Vogue, human nature, crazy for you, which you had hoped for. Yes. Uh, uh, die another day. Don't tell me, um, kind of a deep cut here, mother and father. Uh, that was from the American Life album, but it was done really interestingly. On the stage was just her, uh, and opposite from her, on the other side of the stage, was her son, David, David Bonda, um, mm -hmm. who I, be I was her first adopted child <clears throat> from Malawi. He was playing guitar on the song and also singing on the song. And during the song, I mean, the song is called Mother and Father, and it's talking about Madonna's mother and father and um, sort of, you know, um, memories of uh, how, you know, it's, she, her mom, her mother died when she was five and she had sort of a strained relationship with her dad. And it's kind of about that. So during the song, these huge screens come out of the ceiling and on it are projected a picture of Madonna's mother. And on the other screen behind David is a picture of his, I'm assuming this was his birth mother. Wow. Um, and then when the verses change to start talking about Madonna's father, the image changes to Madonna's father and David's father. Wow. And then for the last part of the song, Madonna and David come together and sing into the same microphone, uh, which was pretty, I don't know, like if, if you get even very his, touching, it, it's like, you know, that was a very visible, obvious moment of. Madonna telling the story of her life on stage in this tour, which is not just a greatest hits tour, but also the story of her musical career and her art career that sometimes involves her children. And that's yeah. part of the story as well. So, um, you know, so there is that. I'll move on. Um, she sang Little Star, which I mentioned. Uh, then she talked about her health scare earlier this year, and then she did a cover of Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive acoustically, which was pretty fun. Um, she was on guitar accompanying herself. Then she did La Isla Bonita and Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Um, then she did Bedtime <laughs> Story, uh, Ray of Light, and Rain. She uh, hasn't done Rain since 1993 on the Girlie wow. Show Tour. 
And then she closed with Bitch, I'm Madonna and Celebration. Now, that's not even mentioning the interludes and kind of like video pieces where Madonna wasn't on stage and other things were happening. Um, Right. But yeah, that's the main set list. And I'll stop because maybe you have questions. <laughs> well, no, that's just, I mean, it's wild. And I, it's interesting because obviously we, a lot has been talked about uh, Taylor Swift's eras tour, how she's been breaking it up into album eras. And that's clearly not how Madonna did this. It's almost like she split it up into like vibes, you know, like the, the songs that kind of vibe together. But then obviously there's a little bit of a through line of like early to to present day too, you know? Yeah. Um, ending the way she did. Interesting. That sounds so fun. I can't believe that's that list. What else? Is there something else from Madonna that you really want to bring up aside I mean, from the set list? I mean, uh, the the uh, the other thing I'll say about Madonna in closing, I mean, because I could t- go on and on and on. Of course. And I won't. However, um, I there, there was just too much for me to absorb because, you know, throughout the whole show, she's she's giving you moments and, and, and remembrances of how she became Madonna. And there's just too many visuals on stage. There's too many costumes that come out of the woodwork. The cone bra shows up Uh, her costume from a league of their own as all the way may pops on stage. Um, Bob, the drag queen is dressed as Madonna's doing Vogue as Marie Antoinette. Oh, from the VMAs. Like it's just, and that's like, one one hundredth of the things that you see happen on stage and on visuals and what you hear. I, I heard I heard random B-sides and deep cuts that I didn't expect to hear that were kind of woven into other songs. So crazy hardcore fans will will probably just be consuming and absorbing and reabsorbing and re-examining this tour to kind of find all the details. Casual fans will be perfectly happy just hearing all the hits and seeing Madonna like writhe around on stage on a bed with her cone bra doppelganger from the Blonde Ambition Tour. Literally, Madonna and quote-unquote Madonna from the Blonde Ambition Tour lay down in that red bed we all remember from the Blonde Ambition Tour and, you know, kind of do things. Anyway. So you're going to you're going to need to see this again is no, what you're as what I'm hearing. I literally have I've come. Yes, I've already said that to anyone that wants to listen. I need to see it again because I'm like, oh, no, I there's too much. There's just too much. I need to see it again. And it's going to be a minute before it comes to L.A. It's also going to be in Palm Springs, too. So but you'll have lots of opportunities. I can travel through Europe. Exactly. Can, exactly. It's, go, it's going to Antwerp yet next. I can go there. Actually, Keith's going to announce he's leaving Billboard to follow Madonna on tour now. So he's, but, it's been a good run. But uh, Katie, uh, you have to tell me briefly how exciting it was to see the Taylor Swift uh, era's tour premiere. And did Taylor Swift uh, breeze past you when she visited every single movie theater at the Grove that that premiere night? She sure did. Actually, what you were just telling me about Madonna makes me hope that Madonna is filming this for a potential concert film down the road so we can all see this and dissect it. Um, But yeah, at the Ares tour premiere here in Los Angeles, uh, Taylor did, in fact, uh, come past me to uh, give a speech in our theater as she did to 13 theaters, I believe, at the uh, the Grove. Um, and just really saying how the main character in the film is the fans. And uh, the whole thing was very a very fun experience. I did not see Beyonce. I don't know that anyone saw Beyonce aside from the photographer who, you know, took the picture of Taylor and her on the red carpet and then also um, 
in a in a theater without any fans around um but yeah beyonce was there like what it was like i'm in the same place as taylor and beyonce right now what are you talking I wonder, about i wonder i will uh. say i like i know you're on a roll but i will say like i wouldn't be surprised if the beyonce taylor swift encounter was like something that happened at an, a completely different time earlier in the day uh. the day before Something like that where Taylor's like, I don't yes, think so. You think she you got don't? back into her identical yes. glam? Yes. See, I don't. I think that she truly was like snuck in. Like I said, there were 13 theaters that were playing the movie. And I think there was a 14th that was empty. So that could have easily been the one where she and Beyonce had their little popcorn throwing moment. Okay. Now I'm and so I actually truly there are at the Grove. There's 14. That's why it's called oh, the are? Grove AMC 14. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and I had heard it was playing in 13, of course, theaters, because that's Taylor's lucky number. Um, it's Drake's lucky number now, too, after his 13, one of these 13 number ones. Anyway, um, moving on, though, uh, the movie itself, I did a whole breakdown for Billboard.com. Um, if you saw the Eras tour, you can go on uh, on Billboard and see like what songs didn't make the cut in the movie for instance, because obviously the runtime was shorter than three hours. Um, So there were some interesting things that were chopped out and it is truly a concert film start to finish. There is no talking backstage off screen. It is literally what happened on stage in those three nights in L.A. put together in a film. And that is it. The concert start to finish. And that's it. That's surprising. I I wasn't fully expecting that, but. All right, and well, it's done quite well at the box office so how's far. How's it done? Because I, I, um, I'm oblivious to that. Yeah, I have Shockingly, the numbers. even though I talked about it last week, I actually haven't checked because it's, you know. So it it uh, is, of course, number one this weekend, but it uh, it made between 95 and $97 million in its first weekend in uh, in North America. Um, and so that is uh, easily the biggest opening ever for a uh, concert film, by the way. Paul has a ranking up of the top 10 concert films. Previously, Justin Bieber's Never Say Never had made $73 million in 2011. And now with this opening weekend, Taylor has already become number one of all time. Wow. And there's one more weekend in the theaters. So it's only playing for two weekends. I So I know when they originally announced it was only going to be for two weekends. I don't know what's maybe in store beyond that, because to be fair, there's no streaming announcement at all yet. And so I would imagine they'd keep it in theaters as long as people would like it to be in theaters. But they made it very much to to be an event by being in like for two weeks, get right. your tickets, you know, before it before it's gone. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. So read all about it on Billboard.com. And uh, yeah, Keith and I are out and about the last couple of weeks. Can I just say? Uh, kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, spe- speaking of being out and about. Uh, Katie and I stayed indoors and did a Zoom call with Troy Savon the other day. See, that's perfect. Perfect segue. Um, <laughs> because now it's time for our interview with Troy Savon. The singer, songwriter, and actor caught up with us to chat about his just-released new album, Something to Give Each Other, and how the making of the project, from the songwriting process on through his eye-catching music videos, has been a joyous journey uh, working with a group of friends he says that uh, it's just been the funnest thing ever. We also talk about how Janet Jackson was an inspiration for the album and how her number one Hot 100 hit Together Again, according to Troy, literally changed the trajectory of my life. 
So some high praise from Troy Safan. Mm. Um, in our conversation, we also get his thoughts on his collaborators on this album, including friend of the podcast, Leland and Oscar Gorez, uh, along with members of his creative visual team, director Gordon Von Steiner and cinematographer Stuart Weinkoff, both of which were driving forces behind the new album's first three music videos, including its first single, Rush, as well as his brand new buzzy clip, for one of your girls. Keith, I really wish we would have seen that video before talking to Troy. I know, but it came the, out after. The te- the teaser for the video <laughs> came out the day after we talked to him. So that's yeah. why we didn't that's why we didn't ask Troy about the video. Yeah. But if you're anyway, wondering. <laughs> yeah. If you're wondering why you don't ask the obvious questions. <laughs> Without further ado, here is our chat with Troy Savan. Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Troy Sabat, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I am swell. Uh, thank you for doing this. Very, very excited about your brand new album that by the time people hear this, uh, mm-hmm. the album will be in their hands. They will finally got to embrace it. Um, wow. I, <laughs> yes. Uh, I would like to know when you first started the process of, of making the album, was there a like a concept or an overarching theme, you know, at the onset, or did the songs just kind of come to you and come together and then it sort of presented itself as kind of a theme? Well, something I think that's actually really cool about this album is um, there is a concept and it's this whole idea of something to give each other and every sort of connection being beautiful in its own way and, and, um, and sort of togetherness and community and, and like, joy and all of these themes that that came it seems like a concept album now but but at the time it wasn't at all and and that's something that that i'm really happy about because you know i I wrote it over a long period of time and then for me personally to zoom out and be like oh i guess i guess the overarching themes of the last like two and a half three years of my life are these like mostly really joyous um themes so yeah it's cool it, it wasn't a concept album from the jump and it kind of like kind of came together and i think the album title probably came like halfway through the process when when i was just kind of talking about the music that we were writing in the studio and i was like no i just feel like you know everyone has has something to give each other and um yeah it kind of came together slowly but surely and sonically um it's you know it's really vibey and there's a range of sounds and feelings and emotions that come from you know the production so was there an intent sonically with the project that you wanted to to make i think the only intent with it was um i knew that i was very 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 drawn to warmth um i've always been but i think i think in the past it's sort of been like this very like melancholy warmth and this time I didn't, I didn't feel that way. And so, you know, I, I talk a lot about Janet Jackson because she's so important to me, but, um, but I saw her show at the Hollywood bowl really early on in the process. And to me, it took me right back to when I was like, you know, however old I was, I was probably like seven or something like that hearing together again for the first time. And that like melody and those chords and the warmth that's in, in that song, literally changed the trajectory of my life and like and um the trajectory of my life as a musician and as a songwriter specifically um and that's something that i that i was really really striving for i wanted i wanted something warm and also i was you know a lot of this album came together during covid and i think 
it was sort of, um, there was an element of fantasy as well. And like ambition, this wasn't necessarily happening in real time. It was like a, a, a dream world that I was like, that I wanted to be in so badly. And then slowly, but surely as kind of like lockdowns lifted and I started to travel and, and I, you know, worked my way through my breakup and everything, it, it um, it became reality and, and it became true. And by the end of the album process, like by the time I was making the rush video, that was like real life, you know? Um, uh, Katie and I live for any Janet Jackson reference, by the way. Right. Um, uh, I, I'm a Janet. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm like a Janet Stan mm. um, because then someone will be like, so on that one deep side B cut, you know, I'm like, exactly. I don't do, like, but I love her. And, I remember, um, and I, I, I will not go into a long, boring story, but I met her once and it was all oh. a blur and she turned around. It was backstage at the forum. She turned around and she said hello. And it was like every music video of hers ever I've ever seen in my life just mm-hmm. flashed before my eyes. And I'm like, it was like my childhood. It was. It, it, I literally, I literally have goosebumps just from, from the thought of her turning around. It, it, it was all of that. I'm like, she turns around, she, she does that. Wow. She, she turns. Sorry, I digress. But that's a really, I think that's an incredible callback, you know, cause I was trying to think like, Hmm, where would I put this album? And there's like sort of elements sometimes of jazz and there's kind of like, kind of like downbeat house sometimes. And there's pure mm-hmm. pop moments and dance moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Janet's a wonderful reference. So thank you for explaining that. Um, I, I am kind of curious, when did you actually finish the album? Uh, I asked that because sometimes we hear about artists having to lock down an album, you know, months and months before so they can actually make physical product of which you certainly have. So when did this album actually get done done? Yeah. So that was a weird thing in the past. It's, it wasn't like this, I guess, because of, like you said, because of vinyl production and stuff like that. It takes a long time to make. (laughs) It takes a long time. So I think I handed in the album in maybe like May. Wow. It was a long time ago. And that's, that's not just, um, music that's like packaging, like, you know, the, the, the booklet, the album booklet, the, the cover, everything was like completely, completely done. So then it was this weird, like, sort of um limbo phase where it was done it was it, there was nothing i could do nothing i could change the only thing that i've kind of made since then is the music videos but um but the music was was completely completely done by may like mixed and mastered everything and the first single rush and its music video have been like super embraced you know euphorically as like the summer anthem um mm. what has it been like seeing that song become such a major moment for you it's been so crazy i mean like i I remember when I was writing the album, it had been such a long time since I put out an album and, and then it was a really long time since I had toured and I was, you know, like acting and stuff like that. And I was just like, I really don't know if like I could have, I could have for sure peaked already. You know what I mean? Like this could not be, this could be done. Um, Like third album, 10 years in basically to being signed and everything. So I knew that I loved it and I knew that I was excited about it. And I don't think I ever could have expected, like I knew that, um, I've, I've had a very, very, very loyal, amazing, amazing, like audience for a long time that, that feels so safe to me. And I know that they're there and, and I appreciate them so much and I like would die for them. Um, but so I kind of just expected it to go out to them and it's, felt very, very different from that. I mean, they're there, but, it, but it's also just like, um, 
I don't know. In a way, it's kind of scary because I just feel very, very like it, it went it went wider than I think anything ever has of mine before, and um, that's really cool. I'm I'm very grateful and thankful. It, I, I'm going to say a lot of it had to do with the choreo because we 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 I don't think like, we really had like Troy and like choreo dance mode really before that. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Um, like th that was something that was really really scary to me, and and um, I was just like. I think also with, with time and with kind of like age and confidence comes a little bit more of like, um, I don't really care what people say about me online and whatever. So let me like, why not? Let me give this a go and just see if, if I look like an idiot, I look like an idiot, you know, you like, like this is what I want to do. You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> it, it worked great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, well, speaking of the video, you know, the videos and the imagery that have accompanied the album have really added a, like a, a definition and a, and a visual punch to the rollout of the entire project. Um, do you feel like the videos and the visuals have amped up everything to like a new level? Um, and can you talk a little bit about the team that has helped you execute uh, the visuals? Uh, because I believe it's the same kind of folks that did the two videos and maybe the photography on the album. I'm not totally sure mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So, I mean, first things first, I think like considering all of my references for like a good pop star growing up were the, those who made like these mega, mega, mega videos where the budgets were very, very different from what they are now. And, and, you know, like I had so many times in so many meetings, like music videos don't matter. The music video is dead, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I sort of pushed and pushed and pushed. And, um, I'm so grateful that we got to make like the music video of my dreams for rush, which then unlocked. Cause I think, you know, for me, the visuals have, have always been sort of equally as important to me as the music. I, I love it so much. It's like one of my favorite parts of the whole process of making an album. Um, and then we assembled this like dream team of friends really, you know, so Stuart Weinkoff, who is the cinematographer and all the videos. Um, and he shot the album cover him and I worked together for the first time on my, 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 we shot the dance to this video with Ariana together. We've been friends for years and I just like love him so much. Um, and then Gordon von Steiner, who's directed all the videos and creative directed the album. He, um, he, and I've been friends for a long time as well. And he works with Stuart a lot. And I just think it reminded me so much of the process of making the album. We I've worked with friends in incredible places having the best time. I was like, everything has to be fun. Like, let's not stress. Let's not, let's get everything done ahead of its deadline. Let's like make this exactly how we want to make it. And so, I mean, it was just been the funnest thing ever. We're, we're all friends and we're like going to Bangkok to make a music video on like the roof of a skyscraper, you know, like it's, I think it's like kind of all of our dreams. Um, and I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. Katie's going to let me, uh, uh, indulge, let, let me, what's the phrase, Katie, what, what are you letting me do here? I'm going, I'm going to indulge you. Thank you. <laughs> no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, uh, a little, I'm on script, but this is silly. So love, uh, so when the rush video came out, there's of course mm. a, um, I mean, there's many beautiful shots in the video. There's one particular yeah. shot where th there is a hole in a wall. Um, mm. we will not go into great detail about this hole. However, mm -hmm. I'm going a to glorious hole. There you go. So yeah. um, you posted a, uh, a post on Instagram and uh, a lot of your friends and colleagues kind of 
thought it was amusing where there was a text chain amongst the crew talking about the size of the hole and the lens and da 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 da. And then I commented, uh, waiting for the vinyl picture disc of the album with Troy's face inside a, a <clears throat> glorious hole. LOLZ. Yeah. Now, right. that got a number of likes. And then uh -huh. cut to, I don't know, maybe two months later. And on your web store, you post a uh, limited edition, a uh, glory edition of the seven inch uh, single, I believe, of Rush <laughs> with yeah. your face inside a hole. So yeah. I, I posted this on Instagram and I'm just wondering, please tell me, maybe I know it can't be true. Did I have anything to do with this at all? Is this you asking for your commission? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yes. No, I'm not it's asking not. for any money. I would, I would just I would just like you to say that perhaps someone <laughs> saw my Instagram post, but you could also say we always had this idea, Keith. You just thought of a great no, no, idea. No, no, no. Okay, so complete transparency. That is one idea that I did not have. It came from someone else on the team. So it very well could have been that they saw your comment. I don't know. I can ask that person. Could you? Only because only because only because I did not keep that only on Instagram because I absolutely told people at Capital and UMG. I was like, you know what oh. you should do. Well, thank you, because it was a great idea. So thank you so much. I'm gonna I'm just gonna claim it. Um I think you should. <laughs> but moving on, um Oscar Goras, did I pronounce that mm -hmm. right, by the way? Uh, is it Goras? Okay, great. So Oscar Goras and Leland are all over this album. I think Oscar co-wrote and, and co-produced seven of the 10 songs on the album and Leland co-wrote nine of the 10 songs. So you've been working with both of them for years and uh, they were both involved in, in early songs like My, My, My and Take Yourself Home. So what is special about your working relationship with these two? I really think that a creative relationship is like one of the most meaningful, deep experiences that I think a person can have. Um, and I have found it, it's like finding love, honestly, like it sounds so corny, but it really is. And I found it so many times um, with just people that I adore as people that I'm like in awe of. And and we've been working together for so long that I know when, like the second I get stuck on something, I'm like, Oh, this is a, this is a Leland question. And I'll FaceTime him, you know, or like, um, like some of the songs I wrote uh, in Australia, let's say with like Styles Fuego rush, right. Um, the verses and the pre-chorus and stuff like that was written in Australia and Leland was in LA and I got stuck on something and I was like, I know exactly the person to call. And I pick up the phone and FaceTime him and, and we write it over FaceTime and, and he can just like solve these melodic puzzles in a way that I can't. And, um, and then Oscar is just like so versatile, so talented, such a good person. He's like family to me. We've been through so much together and I don't know. It's just like, it's one of the greatest joys in my life. And now I feel like I found that again on the visual side where I'm like, I, I want to work with Gordon and Stuart for like the rest of my life. You know, it's, um, it's just a really, really beautiful thing when you find it. And, and I think both Leland and myself specifically have this like fantasy of being like, um, 80 years old and like writing songs together, you know, Alton and Bernie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the reference always. We always talk about, um, we always talk about them and, and how, like, just how beautiful that, that seems. Um, the albums in my room is the only song to have a feature on it. Uh, mm -hmm. I noticed, um, and it's an artist by the name of uh, Guitar Rica de la Fuente. 
Exactly right. Okay, great. Um, who I think is, I'm assuming it's the person singing in Spanish on the track. Yes. Unless yes. you learn Spanish or know Spanish, and I'm just a you know, dummy. I don't, uh, I don't. How did they become part of this album? Because I'm not familiar with, with this artist. Yeah. So I think for me with, with speeches, it's always just about like, who is going to serve the song best? Um, and I met, his name is Alvaro, um, like in real life. Um, I met Alvaro in Paris and we just like hit it off and, and he's so lovely. I'm really inspired by, I, I went home and like, you know, did a massive deep dive and I I'm really inspired by, by Spain. I, I designed a lot of, I designed the album booklet in Barcelona with the design team out there and, and spent some time out there and, um, and something about, I was there during summer and the sun and like the music on the streets and everything. It just like, it was very inspiring to me. And, and then I met Alvaro and, um, he, I said to him, I was like, we should just ride together just for fun one day and see what happens. And he came to London and, and we started working on, it was like the only song that we wrote that day. And we wrote it in, in a day with Oscar and, um, and it's like one of my favorite songs on the album. I, I absolutely love it. And, and also he's, he's queer and, and he's, uh, I just really am like very aligned with him in, in what he does. And I am a big fan. So yeah, I love it. Um, so I, maybe you've already said something about this and I, maybe I'm just, I haven't seen the news, but is there any plans to take this album on the road? Is there a tour in the works? Are there live shows coming? Is there anything that we can say about that right now? So for sure, that's like the plan. I, I don't have a plan yet. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I'm intimidated because I, when this tour happens, I want it to be like the tour of my life. You know, I, I really do. And, and I want, I want to give like the big pop show that I think this album is asking for, you know, and these visuals are asking for. And so it's just a big job. And I also need a little bit of time off, I think. So I'm going to um, take a second and like regroup and then and then figure it out yeah no pressure no pressure it'll be exactly fun. like for some reason i really 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 feel the pressure i really do i mean when you when you talked about janet big pop um all all of the sort of influences that went into your career into this album and how your music videos have taken you to kind of a new level with the choreo and the dancing and sort of the pop pop popness of it i can see how you might be thinking well i need to take out 15 dancers and a big band and have the full laser and fog and stroke screens, screens yeah, everywhere yeah. you know and like lifts and you know i can see no, why that could be me doing it. like um catch me thinking I'm like pink doing, you know, backflips over the audience and stuff like that's, I, I feel a lot of pressure. It has to be, it has to be awesome. Well, speaking of pop, we have one final question to slip in um, amidst this new album of your own. There's also new music you have coming that involves sort of tangentially NSYNC and we can't really go deep into it because we were going to be respectful of the SAG strike, of course. Um, but are you like the rest of us hoping for an NSYNC reunion tour, a new album, something coming from this epic boy band of course i would love to hear whatever they've been working on um yeah i'm really excited about that we are too <laughs> that's why i had to ask yeah, yeah of course we had to ask and we we thank you for indulging us in that in that small little slightly <laughs> off topic question but it's kind of on no topic. um thank Anytime. you so much for this troy this has been great and it's lovely to see you and 
Um, much success to you with this album and everything that comes to you in the future. And, Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. And thanks for all the support. Always. I appreciate it. Thank you again to Troy Savon for making time to chat with us uh, and find out who gave you the idea for that uh, glorious vinyl single. Um, <laughs> inquiring minds <clears throat> need to know. Also, again, as Katie and I said earlier, we're like, we wish we had seen the teaser for oh one of God. your girls. Where... We'd seen the teaser. No. We hadn't seen the Troy. No, we saw the Ross Lynch teaser. No. None of that had oh. come out. That came out a few oh, hours even later. Even the teaser was after. But to be fair, like that didn't give everything away when the video itself came out. Troy is in drag for the first time, I believe, as far as I've seen. And he is beautiful. I mean, this man is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it. It's very uh, in the video. Uh, Troy's in drag and he's dancing up a storm. It's very Britney Spears, toxic hair whipping around. Yes. And he looked, he almost looked like Mandy Moore or something like in the late nineties. Like he's just this beautiful, like, you know, wispy blonde woman. Uh, you you have to see this video. It's wonderful. And mm. I, that, I just told Keith too. I think that's my favorite song on the album. We got, the lucky chance of listening to it ahead of our interview. That's the one that really stuck stuck out to me. And then I saw the video for it. I was dying. Yeah, uh, certainly. Any, any, but also, when you watch the video, I'm not going to spoil it, but he gives a lap dance to a certain individual. It's 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 very saucy. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, OK, well, now it's time for the chart set of the week. Earlier, we mentioned how Drake ties Michael Jackson for the most number ones among male artists on the Hot 100, each of them with 13 leaders. Katie, simple question. Which of the following songs did not hit number one for Michael? Your choices are Ben, The Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney, Dirty Diana, or You Are Not Alone. Which of those four did not go to number one for Michael Jackson? I don't know the answer, so I'm just going to guess You Are Not Alone is my guess. No, that is actually a record-setting uh, single. It became the first song to ever debut at number one on the Hot Oh, 100. wow. Okay, so which is it, Keith? Just tell me, because I feel like I, I feel like Ben was, but I... It was. Okay, so then I'm between The Girls, Mine, and Dirty Diana. Oh, the... Oh, geez. Um, Dirty Diana. Nope, that actually Still looks wrong. number one. So <laughs> by process of elimination, it is The Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney, which is actually the first single from the Thriller album. But it hit number two on the mm. Hot 100. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, sometimes chart fortunes don't always smile upon even people like Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Right. So there you have it. It's a quiz Katie meets chart side of the week about Michael Jackson's number ones on the Hot 100. We've reached the end of our big show. Madonna, uh, Troy Sivan, uh, Taylor Swift, uh, Drake. 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 Uh, what song should we go out on, Katie? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like we've gone through a lot of people today, but what song? Oh, we, oh I know. Oh, I know. We, we go out. Wait, we... are we are we going to say the same thing? No, we aren't. I totally know oh, we okay. aren't. I was okay. going to suggest Who's Zoomin' Who by Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> then you're very right. We weren't going to say the same thing. I was going to say Janet Jackson together again Oh, <laughs> because of Troy. I but think... listen, we can Zoom, too. Uh, are, well, uh, um, which should we it's really... a surprise. What's Keith going to pick? We'll find out. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 